Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. The show dedicated to fun, practical mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Jamie Glazier, welcome back to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. It's great to catch up with you as always. Uh, a fair bit's gone on since the last podcast that we recorded a few weeks ago now. And thank you for everyone for the wonderful feedback and kind comments around not only the podcast that we did with Brenton and his hole-in-one journey, but all of the other Mental Mastery Golf Podcasts that continue to uh, be subscribed to and downloaded. Uh, it's really is um so pleasing to see people enjoying what we're doing. Uh, a little bit's happened and a lot happened last weekend, namely in the fact that we saw another major, the PGA at Kiwa Island, what a place, but we saw a bit of history made uh, with Phil Mickelson being and uh, becoming the oldest major champion in the history of golf. And, you know, we've talked about it a little bit since that moment passed, which was only yesterday morning. And there's so much that's relevant to the content that, that you bring to us and, train your athletes and train the people that subscribe into the insight golf academy and etc and all walks of golfing life that we thought it would only be right that we sit down and unpack that and talk about what phil's result means and how it relates to us as everyday golfers so jamie how are you good thanks roscoe i'm very well uh, always good to see you and yeah look i from early on in the week of the pga once phil uh, posted you know some good numbers early on uh, was up at the top of the leaderboard pretty much from the from the get-go. Listening to his press conferences, there were for for us and what we've spoken about on this pod, podcast for for you know for a while now. There were so many nuggets that were coming out of Phil, and it wasn't until the weekend where I was watching him play that visually we could we could recognise and see his commitment to the mental game and his commitment to uh, what he was doing out on the golf course. And then obviously as the weekend unfolded press conferences, he, he wins and he basically just starts to give us all an insight into what he's been doing over the past, gosh, must be, you know, a while now in to prepare for this moment. These moments don't just happen by two weeks of preparation. They generally go, you know, there's, there's years of, of, of focus and attention and, and, you know, isolated targeted training that, that, that helps an athlete achieve this type of performance and he was so open in unpacking you know what he's done over the past uh, little while to get him to this point and it was just so relevant for our podcast and what we've spoken about from day one so yeah so I guess before we get into unpacking some of the observations that you made and on reflection uh, you know we I don't think anyone would have predicted what happened but on reflection when you look back that you're not surprised or you, you don't you don't see it as unbelievable as some of the media reporting or some of the fans world are rightly reporting that it appears that no one at post 50 is ever going to win a major and it's happened yeah you would have asked me and i would have said yeah not likely but when on reflection are you as surprised i mean obviously it's a, a mind-boggling achievement to a certain degree for sure you know breaking history which is phenomenal but when you actually have a look at how he's lived his life the last couple of years the dedication and he spoke a lot about having to work harder than he might have 10, 15 years ago because of his age, but the discipline, the dedication that he's shown to all facets of his game, physically, obviously, you know, getting fit, getting flexible. He's committed to that program for a number of years now and just, you know, 
recently paying a little bit more attention to his his mental game, his focus, his engagement, the ability to see clear pitches. Like once you unpack that and put that all together, no, I'm not surprised that an athlete at 50 years of age has been able to to do what he's done. And you know, he was our driving Brooks the other day. You know, like he he's an athlete. You know, we've obviously seen his flexibility for a number of years now, and and that just, I mean, you know. We're at a similar age point where we know that that flexibility is not natural. There's a lot of work that goes into that. Mm. Um, and, you know, the discipline and commitment he's shown and the work that he's put in with Andrew Getson, who is a, a Melbourne boy, um, you know, for years now, is it's, it's starting to show uh, what that discipline and commitment can achieve. I don't know. Have you been in the company of Phil in, in your time on in working over there with uh, your clients? No, I haven't. I, I Probably had a good chat with Ghetto uh, at the 2018 US Open at Shinnecock. I ran into him. I played some golf with him at Commonwealth when we were both members of Commonwealth years ago. Uh, so ran into him, had a chat with him, and uh, uh, he'd been based out of Greyhawk and Scottsdale for a while. I caught up with him at Bads's wedding two years ago, but Phil himself, I haven't um, spent any time with Phil one-on-one or, uh, or been in his presence. I guess where I wanted to go, in getting to the point of winning on the weekend, there's been a fair bit happened in Phil's life. If you if you go back through the annals of you know the Twitter spheres and the Wikipedias and whatever, there's there's too much to recount. But he's had a fair degree of obviously a lot of success. You know, I think he won his first PGA tournament as an amateur maybe back in 1991, and didn't yep. achieve his first major until 2004. I think if my memory serves me correctly, yep. it's a it's a fair gap to get yep. from a PGA win. He had a number of them, but then to get that major and. Yep. A lot of people, you know, were pinning pinning him on that for a long time. A lot of stuff happened in his life, you know, with his wife and the, the yeah. other stuff that's widely reported. Distractions. Yeah. But he's been able yeah. to maintain this focus. And then, did do you think that he got to a point where it was like a, a reset and a rebound and a, or a rebuild? Is that sort of how it might have transpired? Yeah. Well, look, he spoke a lot about, you know, during the week. One of the things that, you know, we've talked about the three C's on this podcast from day one you know, from a routine point of view, clarity, confidence, and commitment. He spoke a lot about clarity, about getting a clear picture of the shot. And that's what, when we watched him over the weekend, you could see behind the ball, he's taking time to get a clear picture of the shot. He wasn't moving into the shot until he got a clear picture. Now, to be able to get a clear picture, that's just not a golf-specific process. That is tidying up and cleaning your environment outside the golf course, making sure that home life is in a great place. You're minimizing or, or taking out distractions. And he spoke a lot about, he doesn't watch TV. He doesn't scroll on his phone anymore. Like he's getting rid of all those external distractions to help him create more clarity in his mind. And that's not just for the, you know, the second shot into 14, that's just for his life in general. And he realizes that he has to do that if he wants to achieve the goals that he set out to achieve. And that's, for me, that was something that was really interesting to listen to that a guy at this stage of his life where he could sit back on his rocking chair, play some champions tour events, have a couple of top twenties in PGA, you know, tour events as well, just see the money come in, enjoy the fruits of his labor through the years. Just, he could now just chill out and enjoy life. And he's, 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 turn the volume up. He's really gone to that next level of, no, 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 I'm not done yet. I want to, I want to do something that's never been done before. And I mean, you've always got to admire someone taking that journey, even if it doesn't equate to the outcome, 
that yeah. they're that they're they're setting themselves. So you know, I I think that clarity has been has been huge and and just so interesting for him to hear. Uh, interesting to hear him talk about. It might be easy to you know reflection to think that Phil's commitment to ultimately what he what he won on the weekend is now very clear, and you can not challenge him that he's had this motivation to keep going and to perform at this level against this group of players in the current crop. You might not have taken it as seriously because he's, he's created this, you know, his personality around the, the carve quando and the, and the, yeah. the fireside with Phil and all the stuff that we've actually escalated his love yeah. within the golfing community as that space, which we all wish he probably would have started a long time ago, but he didn't, but you might've, you might've passed it off as like, ah, you know, we get it, Phil, but it's probably not going to happen. But you know, you really can see that he was committed to that journey. And for me personally, you know, like looking at motivations from people, from sports people, it's not something I do a lot of. Um, but now, you know, as I get approach a significant milestone in my life, you know, I'm not too far away from being the same age as Phil, not quite the same age, but that significant milestone is coming up. For me, an opportunity to sit back and go, you know what, anything's possible. Yeah. Anything is possible. And it's been a real eye-opener for me to just sit back and watch what's happened and, and see the world sort of talk about this in a way that anything is possible. You know, age is not a barrier. It, and, and really this mental part of, you know, 35 is a new 50 sort of thing is, is actually real. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you feel when you think about age and, and yeah. resetting. Yeah, look, definitely. I think, you know, I think we all at times in our life get to that stage where we just need a good hard reset. We need to go, look, for whatever reason, I'm in a stage in my life, I need to be re-inspired. And I'm probably a little bit like that with my golf at the moment. My my passion and love for golf, as you know, has been, you know, up and down like a yo-yo the last couple of years. And um, not for my role in golf. I'm always passionate about that. I'm always researching and developing new ways of, of looking at the mental game in golf. But my motivation to go play golf is 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 as low as it's been in a long time. But for me, it's it's re-inspired me a little bit to go, you know what, this, yeah, you know, um, I think for most people it's it's getting that point where you need a hard reset and going, okay, what are the main key areas that I need to focus that's gonna help me to 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 get to what I want to get to? Now, Phil has has looked at every aspect. He started the coffee for wellness, which was a a, a shake that uh, helped him to burn fat years ago when he was carrying a little bit too much weight, but it was also made of ingredients that helped do two things. It helped to improve improve cognitive performance. So there was caffeine in there. Um, there was cinnamon. There's there's, there's uh, Himalayan salt. Uh, and the other thing it really did, which was great from a physiological point of view, but also from a mental point of view, was it helped to um, reduce inflammation. Um, in the body so inflammation is is closely targeted to uh, also closely related to depression and poor cognitive performance uh, so he created that years ago um, he's obviously done a strength and conditioning a flexibility sort of a, a program and now really targeted the mental game as well he hasn't left any stone unturned when it comes to him wanting to become his best and you know, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to work with, you know, probably half a dozen quite good mid-amateurs in this country and a couple overseas as well. And I can't wait to unpack in our next chats with them, hey, what has this done for you? What are areas that you need to do? Because I have, you know, these mid-amateurs, 
they want to play the US Masters. You know, they, they've got avenues and pathways to get an entry into the US Masters. And that's what their journey consists of over the next sort of five to seven years. So I just think for me, but then you look at the other way too. You look at mid 20, you know, early 20 year old elite golfers that want to turn pro and they feel like they're running out of time. Well, no, no, you're not running out of time at all. You've got so long in this game if you look after yourself. You know, if you if you if you, you look after your body, look after your mind. There's no reason why you can't be at your best at 40, 45, and, and is Phil shown even 50. So it's 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 pretty cool. But one of the things that jumped out at me a lot, and we talked a lot about psychological flexibility in this in, in this podcast and in my in my work with athletes. And in his press conference after the win yesterday, he said, "Look, this is most likely." possibly my last victory so there's that expectation management component there's that that relationship with possible reality he's, he hasn't got his head up in the clouds and he's talking about winning four more majors he said this is possibly my last victory he goes or it also possibly could be a breakthrough that i've been searching for for years mm. So he's not rigid with his approach or expectation of what's ahead. He's got this flexibility that, you know what, this could be my, my last little sort of position on the top of the mountain, or it could be a breakthrough that I win multiple times. And, and that flexibility is going to be so powerful for him because it's not accessing that rigidity that I have to thinking. Um, I'm super excited to see what he does over the next, you know, two, three years. It's quite fascinating. And, you know, in no way can I compare, but as I said before, you know, that motivation, I guess, relating to that, you know, I feel at the moment approaching that sort of moment in time when you, you know, meet that milestone of 50, that my, my golf is in as good a sp space as it ever has been. And that's on the back of two years of sitting down talking and working through mental mastery, insight golf, and so, so on and so forth. It's absolutely changed my perspective on, on what is possible in terms of my own personal golf. And I yeah. feel that I've actually really, really believe, and sometimes I have to catch myself thinking, is this reality? Is it actually possible? And, you know, I guess this moment is, tells me that it is. Um, is it possible to play my best golf that I've ever played considering my entire golf career from 12 years old to now? Is it possible? And I absolutely am now resolute that my best golf is ahead of me. It's not behind me, even yeah. even about to turn 50. And yeah. so that's, you know, not, as I say, I'm not trying to align anything to that, but I just that's how I feel about what's happened on the weekend. What are the, think, what, sorry, go on. I think, Ros, I think Roscoe too, like, you know, when you said, you know, you, you, you're not really relating to what Phil's doing in your, in your, in your own situation, but I'm like, hell yeah, we can yeah. like, mm. because yep. just because he's at the top of the mountain and we're not, the meaning of our golf to us is the same as the meaning of golf to him. Mm. You know, like we love golf and my, my, my loss of drive or passion to play the game is not because I don't love the game. It's just, I'm going through a phase, but Phil's performance, I, I'm, I'm now starting to map out a bit of a plan of how can I re-engage with the love of the game and just shift my perspective so that I, I, I am motivated to go and practice and play and have some lessons and improve my game and go and play and, like, what, what, what's that next step look like? So, yeah, I, you and I don't relate to golf 
with Phil at the same quality of performance, but what it means to us and what it means to everyone on the podcast, it's the same. Yeah. You know, it's um we we can leverage off that and and apply it to our own game. And we deserve to, you know, we deserve to be motivated. We deserve to to feel like we can do this, that golf can be a priority in our life and we can challenge ourselves. Like we deserve those same cognitive thoughts and, and, and patterns and beliefs as some of the best golfers in the world. So now going back to those moments that Phil, uh, you know, let us witness in terms of mental performance on the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And there are so many for me to recount, but you've taken some specific notes, you know, what were some of the other things that you noticed that might relate to the content that we've talked about and that Phil was doing on the weekend because he, he was just in, you know, I use only reserve the term beast mode for Brooks Kepka. Yeah. And, you know, he is a sensational golfer and didn't get the job done. And we, and after the second hole, you would have had money going towards Brooks, but cause he's that beast, you know, and he's proven that and he'll win again many, many times. Yeah. But yeah, Bill was almost like in this beast, like sort of Zen like state. It was unbelievable to watch. Yeah. Look, and I think there's probably, to be honest, there's, there's three main ones, obviously the gratitude and appreciation that he felt for being in, in having this opportunity. He spoke about that a lot. So that, that's huge. Um, he said that he was having so much fun. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's the thing that helped me stay in the moment was I was having so much fun. My mind didn't have a chance to, to go forward or go backwards. He goes, because the moment, the present was, I was enjoying it so much that my mind wanted to stay there. And that's the power of having fun. If we're not having fun, the mind will want to go and be anywhere other than where we currently are. So for Phil to talk about how much fun he was having, that was awesome. But the, the, the two biggest things that, that, that I really took was, firstly, in the press conference after round three, he spoke about he hit some poor shots and that he, when his mind's not focused and engaged, he gets jumpy from the top. He gets quick from the top. Now, we've talked a lot about internal interruption in this podcast, which is basically when we are swinging the golf club, if our mind is focused or connected to the target or, or, or a swing feel, okay, if we're engaged in that swing feel and we stay connected to that during the swing, we're going to be calm, we're going to be present, we're going to be committed. But if the internal interruption occurs where our mind interrupts its connection with whatever we're focused on and jumps to something else, because the mind jumps from one thought to another or one feel to another or or one cognitive pattern to another, the body is also going to jump with it. And that's what Phil spoke about. He gets jumpy from the top when he's not holding his engagement to the target or to the shot that he wants to hit. Now, he's very much an external golfer. So he's creating a clear picture of the shot. And when he does a great job, he stays connected to that all the way through performance. So he spoke a lot about, you know, his poor shots came from not staying in the shot or not staying in the process. So that was the big thing that I got out of uh, the, the disconnect through the years with his poor shots. And we've seen Phil through the years, you know, hit some horrendous shots when things are on the line. And he's spoken a lot now that that is a mental thing, not a technical. That's a focus thing that he's now had to train. So that was, that was for me, you know, one of the biggest standouts. The second biggest standout or the biggest standout is his discussion around commitment. And I got Siobhan, one of the 
the listeners to our podcast, one of the followers on Instagram uh, from uh, from Boston, sent me uh, an Instagram post yesterday morning, or just a text from one of Phil's post round interviews. I'll read it now because it is phenomenal when it comes to commitment. Um, he was asked about his brother Tim and, and and the role that Tim played, and Phil said, "I'll tell you a perfect example. This is an intangible that makes him relatable or understand me, gets the best out of me, and makes him a great caddy." I'm walking off six and I've made some uncommitted swings the first six holes. I've been striking the ball awesome the first three days. I had a wonderful warm-up session, like I was ready to go, and I made some uncommitted swings the first six, six holes. He pulled me aside and said, if you're going to win this thing, you're going to have to make committed golf swings. Phil said, it hit me in the head. I can't make passive. I can't control the outcome. I have to swing committed. So when you, when you listen to that press conference, Phil makes this gesture about steering and we speak about impact control. When we're not committed to the shot, we steer it. And that for me, you know, when we go back to early phases of the podcast and we talked about those three C's, here, you know, a year and a half later, we've got a guy that's just, just, just broken the, the, the record books and won a major of 50. Talk about committing to some of the things that we've discussed with the podcast listeners from day one um, and that's just for me it's exciting because it shows the listeners it validates if you go out there and just focus on single thing of committing of getting clarity around what shot you want to hit let get a clear picture and commit to a positive outcome your best golf is ahead of you but that's got to be trained as well you've got to train that that can't just show up in the heat of battle on Sunday and say okay Let's commit now. It's got to be a pattern that you've built in training and in practice. And, you know, the good thing that I think with Phil too is he's far from done. He thinks he's probably 40% on the journey of, of where he and his team have built this, this specific sort of training program. He's far from done. Um, and that's the exciting thing. And I don't think anyone can challenge that right now. Absolutely not. You know, like maybe if he said that a week ago, we'd probably, you know, a few raised eyebrows, but you can't, you can't challenge that now. And I personally can't wait to see it unfold and as he said if it happens it happens and all power to him absolutely yeah. all power to him because yeah. you know he, he's he's copped he, he's loved uh amongst the world you know he's had times where people have sort of had a bit of a go at him but uh i think right now you know he's changed the the landscape you know and you've heard plenty of people talk about is this better than tiger and i don't like to compare that sort of thing it's different yeah but for for us and where i'm at and what we do and how we talk to people and how we help try and do what we do in helping people it's yeah. so powerful and relevant and for me in that regard it's you know stands ahead of being the most important thing in yeah. tournament golf um in i guess yeah. in my golfing journey yeah look and it's you know everyone's breakthrough is different but it's the same at the same time we've all got these little sort of hurdles that we're trying to get over and we're trying to achieve you know, next level performances in, 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 in not only golf, but in life. And we speak a lot about the, the relationship between golf and life and how similar they are. Um, so, you know, Phil's breakthrough, um, you know, is no different to say you getting down to a scratch handicap or a two handicap or a one handicap over the next three years, or me getting my love back for the game and, and getting back down to a, a low single figure handicap that I haven't been off for a while. Like it's, Whatever, whatever people's goals are that they haven't achieved yet, like Phil's journey and some of the insights he gave us to how we achieve that, we can apply to our own yeah. to our own game. And this is, you know, 
this is why we started the, the Inside Golf Academy and the podcast was we know that the mental game holds a lot of us as club level golfers back, but there's not enough specific content out, content out there for us. Mm. So, yep. um, you know, that's why we've created that. And it's, you know, the listeners have done a phenomenal job engaging and, and, and giving us some feedback as to how relatable this is and how relevant it is to their enjoyment for golf, but also their golfing performance. And, you know, for me, this, this, this winner feels I'm been more inspired as to, okay, what's the next phase for us from a podcast point of view? What's the next phase for us from an inside golf Academy point of view, from a mental performance content point of view, what, what, what's that next phase look like? Because obviously the power in that is we've always known it, but now we maybe have some leverage um, of getting a little bit more buy-in from club level golfers that, Hey, if you commit to this, some of your best golf um, is ahead of you. Um, so I've been racking my brain the last 24 hours as to, okay, well, what, what can we do here? And, uh, you know, I already had a chat yesterday um, and we've got some some great ideas sort of floating around and, no, it's great. Well, I, th- I think, as you say, it's, it's proof of concept and, uh, you know, the best for what we do is, is still ahead and these plans, um, you know, I can't, we you know, obviously can't wait to unfold them. It's very exciting. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, you know, I was playing golf. Um, I, I get I get bagged a little bit, Jamie, because uh, it seems to be on whatever the podcast I end up being on that my desire to talk about being a lower handicap um, seems to be uh, something I do a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. But I was playing golf, and you know, it was another 30, 34 points, a couple of missed opportunities, and a point, you know, a very uh, one of the scores dropped off, and my handicap shot up, and I've never been so unfazed by that. Yeah. And it's not usual, you know. And we hear and we hear a lot of stories about golfers, you know, pinning their pinning their identity to their handicap. And when their handicap yeah. goes down, you know, they they get stressed. And you know, it was just a really good moment for me to realise that the best is ahead. And yeah, it was so unstressful to see the handicap going up because it's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I know what's ahead. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I think that's the that for me is the is a really important part is helping people recognize that the journey to better is full of ups and downs. You know, your handicap's going to go up. Like anyone that's listening, your handicap's going to go up. At some point over the next two, three, four, five years, it's going to go up. That's the reality of it. But longer term, you want to look at that needle and that needle's going to be going down. But there's going to be moments where, you know, you're struggling, you're not playing as well as you'd like and the scores are not coming and that's just golf. And um, once you you know, come to accepting that, then uh, the freedom starts to kick in and your best golf's ahead. And if you look at Phil Mickelson's journey, last five, 10 years, especially yeah. in the last couple, it's been exactly that. Yeah. You know, there was a, there was a little bit of down in an in a overall needle. You know, there was plenty of upside in his needle, but there was a, there was a blip in yeah. the last few years, probably other, you know, like he's won on the Champions Tour and that sort of thing, but hasn't won in a major, you know, he's been sitting in commentary booths and that sort of thing. So yeah. his, his needle went down, but it wasn't, this is a resurrection of that. And it's just a blip. So yeah, that's right. And so, that's for guys, that's for guys that are playing all day, every day. Yeah. They're, they're working their ass off day in, day out to control and minimize the damage when, when they're not playing well. And they still have those. So for you and I, and for the listeners that are working, you know, nine to five and get to play once on the weekend or two practice sessions during the week, 
I don't know what we're expecting of ourselves, but uh, I don't think it's overly healthy. Is there anything else to unpack from you know Phil's win? Was there anything else that you noticed on the periphery of that, or have we summarised and uh, you know digested that fully? No, I think, mate. All you know, they're the main things that I really just wanted to discuss about the podcast. How relevant it is for 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 all golfers, and I think the quietening of the mind is is such a powerful thing that Phil tapped into and used. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's powerful for all of us. But I think, you know, going on from that, really excited to get um, the next podcast. We've got a guest coming on who is an ex-professional golfer here in Australia, and he's still playing golf, working sort of full-time, but playing golf. And the, the learnings that he is, is sort of having on a, on, a, on a weekly basis with his golf of wow, if I had this approach, mindset, philosophy, when I was a professional, God, who knows what could have happened. So I can't wait to unpack that with him, Um, an ex-client of mine. So it's going to be a really interesting discussion uh, and one for the listeners to to look out for. I know who you're talking about and I don't really know him, uh, never met, but I know the industry that he's working in and for some like-minded sort of, um, you know, reasons, uh, I'm really excited by that, you know, and, I want to unpack that business side because, yep. you know, for me, it's very relevant, you know, from given the background. And as we say, you know, there's, there's what we talk about is performing golf. And just last night, you know, I had a conversation with a, a young lady who's a client here and she'd been doing some work in, in this space. And, you know, she had this outpouring of emotion that says, you know, I went to talk about my golf and I realized that how much of what I'm talking about in my golf is affected by my life and my life affects my golf. Yeah. And, you know, what I've learned, go to learn about my golf is actually helping me as much in my life and my business world. Yeah. So, you know, when we talk to uh, this gentleman, um, it's going to be really interesting to unpack the golf side, the business side and, and talk a little yeah. bit of uh, everything. So it's going to yeah. be great. That, that's going to be a, an awesome podcast. I can see it maybe even being a two-part podcast because I don't think the three of us are going to shut up about this topic <laughs> because we, we all have a passion for peak performance and we all have a passion for, uh, the mental game and um, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for this episode. So uh, I think the listeners are going to absolutely love it. Well, Jamie, if that's uh, a great summary of what happened uh, in this moment in history in the PGA and Phil Mickelson winning it at the age of almost 51, I think we'll leave it at that. We'll thank everyone for listening. We'll thank them for their support through Inside Golf Academy. Of course, the free mental game must-dos course is always there for you to jump into if you haven't already. Of course, the other courses are there as well. And please have a great look at those. The the links are in the show notes and you can just click on those and it'll take you straight through there. But many, many, many people have uh, jumped into that mental game must-do. And it's really, I think, been the start of their journey. And, and we retain those as listeners and we, and we thank them all um, for doing that. Yeah. Jamie, until until next time we meet. Thanks, Roscoe. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head over to daretodream.com.au for exclusive access to the free video program, Eight Tips to an Unbreakable Mental Game. Join us next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast.